This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the morning bulletin here on the Blood Red channel as we bring you your must-know stories from this morning's reports. I'm Guy Clark and on Wednesday the 7th of October, these are your top stories. Marco Gruich secures Porto loan move. Latest on Jordan Shakiri after positive test and yet more speculation. Jeannie Wijnaldum sets the record straight on Barcelona interest. Michael Edwards' transfer expertise highlighted after window closes and Premier League call on the government to let the fans in. All to come here on the Morning Bulletin from Blood Red. Alongside me, as ever, Matt Addison. Matt, the transfer window may have closed for all incomings, bar those, of course, that may well happen from the EFL, though we don't expect any, but we've obviously still plenty going on. Yeah, we have some good stories to go through today. It's always a a strange time, isn't it? The international break, but so far it's obviously been filled with transfers and COVID tests and various bits and and pieces that have been said by certain players. So yeah, it's it's good to have some stuff to to fill the time, isn't it? It's going to feel like a long time, I think, before Liverpool play Everton a week on Saturday. Yeah, as you allude to there, the the well very full at the moment. We'll have to wait and see how that goes on through the course of the next 10 days or so. But yesterday we were talking about Marco Gruich and how unless he could try and sort something out, he'd be stuck with the under-23s for well the season or at least until January. And he or at least his agent must have been listening because he's got himself a move away, albeit not quite on the initial terms that Liverpool would have wanted. Yeah, we found out and reported, of course, last night, around half ten last night, that Marco Gruich is, uh, well, has set um, or has agreed to move on loan, I should say, to, to FC Porto for the rest of the season. No obligation to buy within that deal, though. So it's just a, a straight loan, which, of course, Liverpool would have been, uh, you know, more inclined to, to let him go on a permanent deal had the the sort of money been put on the table, £20 million or so they valued him at all summer. All the way through, they you know, insisted that Liverpool, um, they wouldn't let him go on a loan deal. But Werder Bremen, Borussia Mönchengladbach, both, both came in for him um, on the final day of the transfer window and neither of them could put that sort of money on the table. Both of those deals therefore broke down. But fortunately for, for Marco Gruic, as we discussed yesterday, obviously it would have been you know, a really bad thing for, for his career, for him to spend the next six months or so with the under-23s and, and that sort of thing. But Danilo Pereira left FC Porto on deadline day for PSG. That then freed up a, an extra space in the FC Porto squad. So they quickly got in touch with Liverpool. Obviously, it's no secret that Gruic was uh, available, uh, I'm sure, Liverpool initially would have seen if if they wanted him on a permanent deal. That wasn't the case. They quickly then uh, negotiated this season-long loan for him instead. The best outcome, I think, for, for both parties. Liverpool, again, as we discussed yesterday, had filled 17 of, of the 18 uh, non-homegrown uh, slots in their squad. Zerden Shakiri, of course, stayed as well. So it was either Shakiri or Gruic who was going to fill up that final spot and you know, Marco Gruic was never really going to be the favourite given he is what Liverpool's probably ninth choice uh, midfielder at this moment in time. So, yeah, it was uh, the perfect deal really for him. Obviously, he wasn't an under-23s player for, for the next few months. That wouldn't have been good. He's not really a championship player either. He's very much a, a top-flight uh, player at this stage of his career. 
this sort of you know progress that he's made at, at Hertha Berlin. I think this is probably a, a step up. It's certainly a step up into the Champions League. Uh, FC Porto in the same group as Manchester City. So I think it's a, a really good move. Obviously, as I say, Liverpool did initially want a, um, a permanent deal to, to take place. But given the fact that that wasn't um, a serious option at, at this moment in time, I think this was probably the, the next best thing, even though they have had to, to sort of go back on that stance and, and soften it a little bit. I think probably they're now in a, a better position to possibly get a, a better fee for him next year if he has a, a good season with Porto, uh, not just in, in the league, but in the Champions League as well. Potentially that could uh, drive up the fee, but I think it will certainly drive up interest as we head into to next summer. Yes, certainly. So Marco Gruich off to Porto then. And Portugal being one of the leagues whose transfer window is still very much open for business. Portuguese clubs have until the 25th of October to do deals, whilst the Russian Premier League also have their windows still open so Russian teams can uh, do trading until the 17th of this month. Uh, another man who's been linked with the exit door, and we also touched on him yesterday, is Jordan Shakiri. I think, though, Matt, it was just hours after we finished recording yesterday there was some breaking news around Shaq and not related, though, to his footballing ability or any potential suitors. Yeah, Zed and Shakiri became the, the third Liverpool player yesterday. Of course, Thiago uh, Alcantara uh, was the first to, to pick up coronavirus and, and Shakiri has gone away with um, his international team. Uh, they've obviously had uh, extensive testing after players flying in from you know, various parts of, of Europe and, and possibly further afield. And yeah, the, the Swiss FA confirmed yesterday that he does have COVID-19. So obviously he's now going to miss matches. I think they play uh, Croatia uh, today or tomorrow. Uh, then they've got a couple of uh, UEFA Nations League matches, but Shakiri obviously now isn't going to be involved with those. He's going to be separated from his teammates, put into to self-isolation, and they will go uh, from there in terms of that. So, yeah, the, the third player, as I say, Thiago and, and Sadio Mane had already got it. Uh, whether it, it, that's where he's got it from, whether it's you know somewhere else, I think this is a, a bit of a, a problem that we are going to sort of see with the um, the international fixtures being the way they are. Obviously, players travelling all over the place. That the general public told you know only to to travel if it's absolutely essential and, and things like that. But at the same time, we've got footballers you know jetting all around the world, mixing together, mixing different squads together. It's uh, not an ideal situation, I don't think. And like I said, Shakiri is the first uh, big high-profile name, uh, really, of the, the internationals uh, to test positive. But I'm sure he probably won't, unfortunately, be the last. No, and we, of course, do wish him a speedy recovery. But he's also been having his say on, on why a move hasn't happened this summer. And he seems to be very keen, at least, to fight for his place at Liverpool. Yeah, he's uh, come out and, and said, I think in an interview before that the test came out as being positive, um, that you know he decided to, to stay. It was his choice to, to stay at Liverpool rather than there being a lack of suitors, um, a, a lack of, of people willing to, to put the money on the table for him. Um, he says he, he's got a, a long contract left at Liverpool. He, he feels good here. Um, you do wonder where his next chance comes, I think. You know, despite these comments, you, you do sort of look at, at that Liverpool squad and think there's a good chance between now and, and January he might not get on the bench uh, too many times for get, getting into that first team because, of course, there's no FA Cup now until... Well, there's no FA Cup for, for Liverpool, at least, until 
uh, the new year, the Carabao Cup, they're already out now. You do wonder, you know, how many opportunities are there going to be for him? But uh, yeah, I think at this stage, it seems likely that he will stick around and, and be a part of that squad. Um, Harry Wilson, the same. Uh, we don't expect either of those two at this stage now to go out on loan in the same way that Marco Gruic has. But yeah, it does uh, sort of offer a question as much as he says, you know, he wants to, to fight for his place. And we do know that he's got a lot of quality. We've seen that during his time at Liverpool as a reason that, that Liverpool signed him and, and brought him in. And that was to be uh, a member of the squad. But yeah, for, for me, it, it almost would have made a, a lot more sense really for him to to go and find a permanent move elsewhere because there's just, you know, not just Harry Wilson, of course, he's a, another one who will will struggle to, to get minutes, I think, for, for Liverpool between now and January when perhaps he can get a permanent deal himself. There's just so many players ahead of them in the, the pecking order at this moment in time. And for me, I think it's a, it's a little bit difficult to, to see even with so many fixtures, where the, the next chance for Shakiri comes. But we will see. Uh, you'd never want to, to rule anything out because you know, we've seen uh, the quality that he possesses. Uh, even within the, the last two weeks, of course, the, the free kick against Lincoln, it was just a, a reminder, I think, of, of what he can do. But I think that also, at the same time, you've got to say that the fact that somebody as good as him is going to struggle to even get on the bench for Liverpool a lot of times between now and January kind of just says, you know, how much this Liverpool squad has moved on, not just in the the time that Jurgen Klopp has, has been at the club, but probably the time that Shakiri has as well, because at one time he was the first substitute. Now he might not even get on the bench for the majority of matches. Yeah, certainly. Well, still more to come here on the Morning Bulletin as we look at Michael Edwards' transfer expertise once more. Premier League urged government to let fans in and Jeannie Vinaldum opens up on those Barcelona links. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Players heading away on international duty and speaking about their interest from elsewhere usually makes you wince as the rumour mill is sent into overdrive with cryptic messaging and whatnot. But uh, Matt Genie Vinaldum, on the other hand, has been speaking about the interest that has been shown in him by Barcelona and doesn't seem to have any interest in playing games. He's been speaking all about these links, of course, in a press conference whilst away with the Netherlands. Yeah, I think it was uh, inevitable that he was obviously asked about that. He said you know, he didn't think that the interest from Barcelona can have been that serious or we would have heard more about it and you know more would have happened with it, which is uh, is interesting. I don't know whether I'm sort of reading too much into that, but it almost seems like he's saying, you know, if there'd have been serious interest, he would have had a few more talks with them. But uh, yeah, 10 months, of course, left on his contract. We'll see was his response to, to whether he might sign a, a new deal at, at Liverpool. I don't think you'd be you know, absolutely averse to staying, but at this stage, I think it's probably you know, an unlikely scenario now. There's not really uh, been any talks or any progression. We know that you know during lockdown, there was no contract talks uh, with any Liverpool player or anything like that, no transfer talks either. But you know, since then, there hasn't really been any other developments. So... Yeah, it, it looks like he may well be, be on his way at the end of that 10-month period. But obviously at this stage, it would be unwise for him to, to rule out potentially staying because you just don't know what can happen over the next few months. So be interesting to, to see what happens. It's, it's sort of all gone a bit quiet on that front. I think at the moment I'm expecting him to to leave. And you know I don't think that would be a massive shock really to, to anybody given 
you know, with 10 months left on most players' contracts, it, it's very unlikely that a solution can be found from that position, really. But uh, yeah, he will will keep playing, of course. He's going to have to improve on the, the performance that he put in against Aston Villa. But I suppose you could say that about pretty much every single one of those Liverpool players. And, you know, going forward, we know how good Gini Wijnaldum can be. But yeah, it's uh, some interesting comments, I think. And I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if potentially Barcelona did come back for him at some point in the future. So as much as he didn't commit one way or the other, I think that probably is in his best interest at, at this moment in time. Yeah, we're yet to see how this one does play out. But Liverpool seem to be, as you say there, Matt, at least willing to run the risk of losing Wijnaldum on a free. Of course, having missed that final chance to sell him on before he can enter into a pre-contract Bosman deal in January. Lastly, on transfers then, and with the window now closed, our colleague Connor Dunn has got the calculator out and done some maths to analyse the Reg transfer dealings this summer. FSG often accused of not putting their hand in their pocket, but... Despite that, this summer window shows that actually they seem to have done exactly that. Yeah, so uh, the, the figures, the, the final figures, of course, there, there could still be one or two moves, as we said before, with a couple of, of transfer windows around Europe still open. But at this stage in time, obviously Liverpool not expected to, to do much more business. And they've spent 76.75 and, and recouped 46.9 million pounds. So... Yeah, a 29.85 investment um, in guaranteed fees. Then, of course, you you sort of factor in various add-ons, sell-on clauses. That's, you know, both in terms of of players uh, coming in and out in in terms of those add-ons. Things like, I think it was, what, 20 million uh, to begin with and then possibly another five or or another seven for for Thiago. Equally, Keanu Hoover, I think, was a nine million deal uh, to begin with, but it could rise to potentially 13 and a half. So, yeah, going forward, we don't know the exact figures, but at this stage, uh, the net spend for Liverpool this summer, around about 30 million pounds, 29.85 to be exact. But I suppose more important than that and and a bit more nuanced than, than just those you know, big headline figures really is the fact that, you know, Thiago Alcantara and Diogo Jota are both going to be paid in relatively small installments. So Liverpool don't have to pay very much at all at the moment. Obviously, that's very important during a, a pandemic. They will pay that money um, in a way which suits them. So, you know, over the course of, of their contracts, they will pay it in small amounts rather than for example, Ismail Assar was one that Watford wanted around £40 million up front. They wanted that paid instantly for him and then a, a little bit more on top of that throughout his contract. I think I'm right in saying that, that Liverpool will pay around uh, £5 million this year for, for Thiago and around £4 million or so for, for Diogo Jota. So not a, a huge amount uh, to pay on, on either of those deals. So I think... Obviously, net spend is, is something that gets people talking. Uh, the fact that you know we we look at how much investment FSG have put in and, and things like that is always something that the fans are going to be interested in. But I suppose the only thing I would say when you look at those figures is it's not quite as, as straightforward and as simple as just this is what they've paid in, this is what they've paid out. Not only can those sort of figures change, but it's also not paid in one go. 
No, certainly. And lastly, this morning, you had a bit of a whinge about it yesterday, about it being maybe time to let fans back in. Of course, it is happening elsewhere. And if it is, why aren't we at least exploring it? And the Premier League, of course, keen as anyone to see fans back in grounds and albeit at reduced numbers for now, they, along with the EFL and other bodies, have now written an open letter calling on the government to get things moving. Yeah, the, the Premier League have, have come together with the AFL, the women's game as well, the FA, all the, the big governing bodies that can have an influence within football and essentially the messages that they all want uh, fans to, to be allowed to be, or at least to begin to be allowed back into grounds. Obviously, nobody's calling for Anfield to be completely full again as it as it was, um, but there's a, obviously a few different bridges between having absolutely zero fans and, and obviously the, the 100% capacity. And that goes for, for every single team up and down the country. Um, so everyone is keen, obviously, to, to have uh, fans start to, to come back. The point has been made several times, really, hasn't it, that you can now go to the cinema and watch football, but you can't go to a, a football stadium and watch football where Obviously, it's outside. It's equally as as controlled an environment and that sort of thing. You know, social distancing and, and that sort of thing can still be put in place. Of course, you know, football grounds and, and that sort of thing. Potentially, it could be larger numbers than people who would go to, for example, a cinema. But you know, the idea is essentially that it is still controllable. There are still ways in which that can be done. And, you know, within the the statement that the clubs have all put out, they've said, you know, we will will help the government. We'll work with them to to come up with a strategy to make this possible. If you know they have to put in a little bit of extra work, a little bit of extra planning, which I think certainly they would have to in order to to get this over the line. I think obviously they will all do that because of of the financial benefits and and the benefits, of course, to to the fans as well. That would make that you know such a, a huge thing to to happen. So. Things like, you know, for example, offering more parking spaces, that would mean then that, you know, families can all travel separately in, in different individual cars. Not the best for the environment, but of course, at the moment, that's the only sort of possible way to, to get this sort of thing going. It would also mean that, you know, you could you know, park cars further away, keep people uh, more socially distanced. Everything is going to take much longer, but I think fans would would accept that if it meant that they could get back and, and start to get back to a, a little bit more normality. Of course, it wouldn't be every fan, it wouldn't be every seat filled, but you know, every little helps. And even if it was only a thousand inside Anfield, it's it's better than nothing, and it's better than the situation that we've got at the moment. So. Yeah, over 100,000 now have signed the, the petition that will now have to be discussed in Parliament. And we go from from there, really. It's one of those things that the sooner fans can get back in the grounds, it, it goes without saying that you know, that can only be a good thing. And obviously, football is looking now at, at the rest of, of society, not just cinemas, but, but different sort of things as well. Other things that are starting to, to get people back, obviously. Not quite how it was uh, before, but certainly you know, on the, the right path towards that being the case. And you know, I think it's it's only right that, that football is a part of that discussion as well. We don't want to, to be left behind. We don't want football to be treated differently, really, to, to other um, leisure activities that people have. And fingers crossed, this is sort of the, the first step, really, to, to getting back to, to what we all want, which is, you know, just to, to see Anfield and, and all the rest of, of the football stadiums around the country starting to to be you know packed with people starting to to you know have the the atmospheres and and that sort of thing because you know as the the statement says football without fans unfortunately is nothing 
Um, obviously, we've had to start the season without them, but now fingers crossed by the end of, of this season, we are starting to head back in the right direction again. Yeah, you're certainly right there. Just a quick one. I was at one of the EFL pilot events at Carrow Road at Norwich a few weeks back and you say only a 1,000 fans in Anfield would make a difference and it really would. There was, I think, Carrow Road, 27, 28,000 capacity stadium, 1,000 fans in there and it really did make quite a big difference. As you say, the petition, which is titled Allow Football Fans to Attend Matches at All Levels, has now passed that 100,000 signatures. So uh, it will be debated in Parliament at the time of recording it's now moved over the 135,000 mark. Before we go, though, a quick mention for Trent Alexander-Arnold, who today celebrates his 22nd birthday. Happy birthday, Trent. What a player he already is and what a player he could still become as well for the Reds. That's all from us for now. Keep an eye across the Liverpool Echo throughout the course of the day for your latest Liverpool fix. And don't forget the link to our twice-daily newsletter also in the description of the podcast. All it takes is your email address in exchange for our top stories finding you rather than you needing to go searching also keep across the blood red podcast platforms wherever it is you get your audio on demand as well as our dedicated blood red youtube channel if you can like rate review subscribe wherever it is you listen that's always more than appreciated but from matt addison and myself guy clark thanks for joining us here on the morning bulletin that's all for now you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo